Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Stevie. How are you? Ta-da. Ta-da. I'm marvelous. Marvelous. It's in the high 80s, I would assume, here in Austin, Texas, where I am currently. Very nice. And how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm very well. Had a nice weekend. Looking looking forward to more Star Trek, more Trekkie things. How we how we should we should we should we do things? Let's do uh, Star Trek Reflections. Double trouble episode. I'm tired and I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) That's really how I am. I should have started with that. No worries. (laughs) I'm also flustered, even though I'm an hour behind you. Uh, All right. Well, welcome in, listener, to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. That is my co-host, Stevie Manns. I'm Aki Burmese. And today's star date is starting 3350926.6. We're talking about Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 5, entitled, yes, Reflections Evil evil twins sort of kind of thing going on in today's episode uh which is very exciting but before we get into it we got to talk about patreon yes patreon patreon for all of your behind the scenes set phases needs at patreon.com forward slash set phases you can join us for Essentially, after parties, you can join us for watch parties. You can join us for cooking shows with Aki. All that and more at setphasers.com and patreon.com forward slash setphasers. It's not October yet, but I thought I'd go spooky (laughs) there. Um, (laughs) It was unnecessary. Okay, well, that's all you need to know, really, to get started listening to the program. Let's run it down. It's time. To run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Okay. Reflections. Episode 5. So, we begin with Rutherford having a little trouble sleeping. He's in a nightmare where he's in front of an overheating uh, engine of some sort. It's on the verge of destruction and it explodes and he wakes up and he scares some people in the lower decks compartments. And that is the cold open that we get. That's it. End of the story. So we go back after the credits. Cerritos is back at Tilgana 4. Uh, they're doing some stuff for the Federation. But the job that Mariner and Boimler are going to have today, they're going to go down and cover basically it's like Starfleet. It's like a career day on Tilgana 4. And there's a Starfleet recruitment booth. And they're going to man it. And... Ransom threatens that if uh, they if Mariner even takes one step out of that booth and isn't recruiting people into Starfleet, he's going to transfer her to Starbase 80, which has a chill through their bones. Apparently, Starbase 80 super duper sucks. Uh, so that's what they're going to do that day. Rutherford, meanwhile, he's having trouble working because he's got a lack of sleep because of these nightmares. Tendi notices. She scans his implant and says, hey, you got a lot of this long-term memory is stuck in your buffer. 
And she's like, you know what? I'll clear your cash. You don't need to wear cash. 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 It's like like the money in your pocket. It's cash. Cash. I'm going to clear your cash. Uh, like mustache. Uh, she's going to clear his cash. And then she's like, you know what? Go take a nap now. Get some rest. Uh, but as soon as Rutherford lies down, his implant malfunctions. And he wakes up. And uh, eager, eager beaver, legal, legal uh, Star Trek fans will notice his eye uh, implant has gone from red, from blue to red. Uh, and he wakes up and he's like in a bad mood. He's agitated. He looks down. He's like, oh, California class ship. Disgusting. And he looks into the like the viewport, the mirrors, I guess, uh, the glass. And he's surprised to see his implant. And as he's looking into the view window, we see the original Rutherford with his blue eye part. And he's like, what's going on? And you, there, there's, you realize that Rutherford uh, has lost control of his body to a different, angrier, bigger, brasher, perhaps evil personality. Uh, so good Rutherford is stuck in all these reflections, hence the title, uh, believing that he's been taken over by something like an anaphasic life form. Down on the planet, I mean, that's exciting, but hey, let's figure out what's going on down on the planet. Mariner's trying to do the gig. There's a woman in the booth next to them that is scaring away uh, potential candidates to Starfleet. Uh, she's an independent archaeologist. You know the type, my Star Trek heads. And she's telling candidates that they'll be bored. They're going to have to go through a lot of work. It's like a bunch of bureaucracy. And also, you're going to get assimilated by the Borg, um, which, incidentally, my computer uh, autocorrected to Word. You're going to get assimilated by The Word, which sounds like an album title. By, you're going to be assimilated by Microsoft 365 Word. Word. That's, I would love to put out word. a spoken word album called Assimilated by The Word. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's a shame they didn't capitalize on that whole, hey, word thing. Like That would have been funny. I don't remember <laughs> if they did or did not. They might have in the 90s with like Windows 95, like Microsoft Word. Oh, God. Uh, we digress. <laughs> if not, we're on to something. Anyway, uh, this independent archaeologist is making fun of Mariner Boimler for even having to do such a menial task as sit as a booth and try to convict, uh, convince people, ooh, convict, convince people to join Starfleet. And it's only Boimler's uh, goody two-shoes intervention that keeps Mariner uh, from stepping away from the booth and handling this independent archaeologist one-on-one. Meanwhile, on the ship, uh, oh, so I came up with a cool thing at this point because I was trying to make notes. And there's the Rutherford the bad and Rutherford the good, but they're not really bad and good, I think. So I'm calling the new Rutherford R2 in a confusion of uh, science fiction uh, uh, franchises and the original Rutherford R1. And I think that will help me with this rundown. Anyway, so R2 is running through the ship mocking it while R1 is trying to regain control or get the attention of people passing by, but they can't hear the original Rutherford. He interacts with <gasps> Lieutenant Barnes, with whom Rutherford has some romantic history, although it is burgeoning, if, if that. He asks about the security shift change, uh, which uh, Barnes does not give him, but then he begins to flirt with Barnes, uh, and then takes it a little too far, and R2 actually offends Barnes to the point of tears. And Barnes... Uh, goes off and uh, R2 is unapologetic. Meanwhile, Rutherford the original R... Was that the one Rutherford dated? I think they went on a date, yes. Yeah. Didn't they have and like he one... messed it up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So there was like even more reason that Rutherford didn't want R2 to be, you know, playing Lothario with Lieutenant Barnes. Uh, <laughs> when Rutherford thinks, okay, God, how am I going to get help? He's like, I got to get Tendy to help. But R2 overhears him talking about that and he finds Tendy using the ship's computer and he heads to find her in one of the bays. Uh, he approaches Tendy. He manages to get the info about the security shift change. Uh, and that's when Rutherford has the brilliant idea that he's got to find a way to get her uh, Tendy's attention. So in a reflection, he punches himself in the implant, which causes a disruption in R2's implant. And then R2 begins yelling at Rutherford in the reflection. And Tendy realizes something is wrong. And when she tries to scan the implant, R2 pushes her over and runs away. And that's when Tendy calls for emergency medical to the deck. Exciting. But let's go back to the planet where Mariner and this archaeologist are still arguing. Uh... Mariner basically is like, you're a thief. If you really cared about archaeology, you would, you're only holding yourself back by not being part of Starfleet. And that's when this independent archaeologist reveals herself to be none other than <gasps> Petra. Oh, boy, I said it wrong. Reveals herself to be none other than Petra Aberdeen, who went to Starfleet Academy, was an officer in the USS Victory, and found Starfleet to be too militaristic and so went her own way. And that really takes the wind out of Mariner's uh, Starfleet sails. Meanwhile, on the ship, R2 is sneaking around the Cerritos trying to avoid security and Dr. Ta'ana. He manages to sneak into the transporter room by use of a Jeffrey's tube, knocks out Chief Lundy? Hmm? That feels right. I should have written that down. Sure. Didn't Google it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chief Lundy. Uh, tries to beam him off the ship, but he can, and that's when Shax comes in and confronts him and says, the real Rutherford would know that Tagana 4's ion field makes it impossible to uh, transport to the surface. And just as Shax tries to restrain R2, R2 manages to avoid and transports himself away to the captain's yacht. And R2's plan then is to get away on the yacht using the warp drive that is there, just to buy himself some time to figure out what he wants to do. But R1, Rutherford, manages to punch himself in the implant, so they're basically... He's punching himself to stop R2 from doing things, delays him long enough anyway for Shax to find him, stun him, and take him to sickbay. And in sickbay, we find out that Rutherford's... Uh, oh, boy, I just lost my page because I got, I got too excited. See, it happens to the best of us. Uh, oh, no. Oh, yes. There's no sign of anaphasic life. This is just Rutherford's personality from 10 years ago before he got the implant. And the two are sort of living in Rutherford's mind, and we don't know who's going to wake up in control of the body. That is when we enter the Rutherford mindscape, 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 mindscape. <laughs> uh, and R2 in encounters R1. And we find out that, yes, R2 is Rutherford as they were 10 years ago before the implant, and they are both partitioned in Rutherford's mind until one of them dominates the other and takes over the body entirely. Uh, R1 is like, you got rid of all my memories for some reason. And uh, R2 is like, R1 and Rutherford's like, what are you talking about? I, I didn't get rid of my memories. And uh, R2 is like, you sure did. Let me show you some memories I have. And he shows them a memory of sneaking away from Starfleet Academy to build racer engines, which were against the rules. Uh, and it was in the building of one of those super fast, super cool, super sleek engines that Rutherford got invert and got the implant. And then there's a memory of doctors speaking above him as he's being operated on, saying that they're going to remove his memories to put and put the implant in. So R2 has tried to retake this body before. And every time Rutherford's uh, implant glitches, basically that was R2 trying to do things. Also, we find out that Rutherford 2, R2, 
was funding his uh, his uh, illegal research and making of cool engines against the rules by doing illegal races through the Romulan neutral zone, which is pretty badass, even if it's against the rules. So they mm-hmm. fight for a bit about who's going to take over the brain, and then they decide the best engineer should win. Obviously, the Rutherfords agree that engineering is tops. And that will be the dominant personality. So they are challenged to a race of the Romulan zone and they can each use whatever they want to build their own ship and then do the race. Let's go back to Tolgana 4. Now, the Collector's Guild have showed up because they're also there at this career day thing and they're mocking Starfleet outright. They're like at the booth making fun of them, as well as some outpost scientists in their green and brown who mock the uniform. Uh, which, uh, you know, Boimler takes some umbrage to. And one of them actually takes Boimler's rank pip, throws it over their shoulder, and then stomps on it. And that is when Boimler loses control. Not Mariner. Uh, in a in a flip of their normal roles, Boimler upends the table and starts running into everyone else's booths, and he's rampaging through the bazaar, telling everyone how Starfleet has helped them. And it turns out this actually inspires some folks to sign up for Starfleet with Mariner because of uh, Boimler's, uh, what I wrote down as rampaging confidence. Hmm. The race begins in the Rutherford Mindscape. Mindscape, Mindscape. And R2 has a slick racer that is like one they used to make back in the day. Meanwhile, Rutherford has made the Delta Flyer, which I'm sure will be in our East Air eggs, most likely. Okay. Of course. Uh, and the race is happening. It's going through the Romney Zone. There's like all kinds of crazy stuff, black holes and whatever they have to avoid. Rutherford is able to keep up with his younger self, uh, but then R2 gets a burst of speed from, I don't know, nitrous or whatever you, the version of that would be for space bracing. And uh, he's starting to dust Rutherford, the original, but then out of nowhere, a Romulan warbird attacks. And that's when Rutherford one reveals the upper hand he's had this whole time for he has with him on the Delta flyer, the other lower deckers uh, because he was able to use whatever he thought possible. And he wasn't going to race without the greatest tool of all, friendship. I just made that up. Uh, and so they rewrite power to the Ash Shields. They're able to hold off the, the Romulan attacks. Uh, and Rutherford manages to beam R2 off of his ship before it is completely blown up by the Romulans. And then they're back in the Mindscape. Mindscape, Mindscape. And R2 is beginning to fade, but he's got, I got one last memory to give you, he says. And that is when we discover the true dun-dun-dun of this episode. That there was someone behind a... Secret program. Uh, that... (laughs) Was there when Rutherford was getting up. Was that loud? It's very loud. It's so much louder than I expected. Whoops. Uh, no, it works out well. It's very dramatic. Um... Uh, yes, so there was a there's some faceless uh, uh, high level officer behind the scenes, and apparently the explosion wasn't just them making an illegal like pod racer for themselves. They were working on some program to make some sort of engine. This was an engine test, and that's where Rutherford got uh, injured. And then uh, that uh, mysterious figure was there when Rutherford was being operated on, and is the one who ordered that the memories be erased for the safety of the secret program. Oh, you want it now? I didn't know if you were going to do it, so I was just going to give you a beat, and I was I was bracing oh. myself. Ready? Yes. <laughs> Whew, it really is bracing. It's like jumping into cold water. Uh, 
Anyway, then R2 fades and Rutherford 1 comes back. Ransom finally goes down to the planet to check on the booth. He's very happy to see that Mariner's talking to several people and getting them to at least sign up and show interest in Starfleet. Boimler, meanwhile, is still going crazy. And there are some, quote, truthers there who think Boimler is being controlled by butt bugs, which is a callback to TNG. And I assume that will also be in the Easter eggs. Uh, for his outburst, Boimler must spend a night in the brig, but he will not be sent to Starbase 80. And also, he's finally gained some sign of recognition from Ransom, who's at least interested in hearing uh, how he defended Starfleet down there on the planet. The episode begins to end with the Lower Deckers visiting Boimler in the brig, Rutherford telling everyone about their memory, and they're looking up who this this high-level officer could have been, but it was when he was a first-year cadet, so who could it be? It's just tons of people. Mariner thanks Boimler for helping her not lose her temper, goes to complete the mission logs because Boimler can't, and as she is doing so, Mariner is contacted by none other than Aberdeen, whose name I've forgotten. Uh, Paula? Petra. Petra, Petra, not Paula, Abdul, Petra Aberdeen. Um, that's what just happened in my head. And she reveals that she was only agitating Mariner in order to create a diversion slash distraction so that she could go into the museum that they were outside of and liberate the stolen staff of the Ferengi Grand Nagus, which is Deep Space Nine to the max. Uh, she also expresses to Mariner that, well, she respects that Mariner likes Starfleet. She thinks that Mariner could have a... A, a grand future as an independent operator and tells her to keep her number and Mariner does and here endeth episode 5 of season 3 of Star Trek Lower Decks Reflection, let's chat about that I say darling, let's do a quick chat about that yes, 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 yes let's do yes, let's do what did you think? Well, it's rather fun. I love the way now starting to get these fun character arcs. Mm -hmm. And I think Rutherford was probably somewhat of a trouble, not like a, sorry, not a troubled character, but a troubled character for them. Because like, he's not really had much of a storyline mm -hmm. up until mm -hmm. now. Now we're sort of getting this backstory, which is quite exciting. And some of the online forums were comparing it to how TNG used to deal with Deanna Troy and Beverly Crusher because they were kind of like there, but didn't have much backstory. Mm -hmm. So when they sort of tried to give them one, it, often didn't go so well um i disagree with a lot of the some of the online stuff i thought this was really fun i, I love oh, people didn't like this backstory that's so crazy first of all mm -hmm. it taps into a thing that we all love which is the alternate sort of they were doing a mirror universe kind of rutherford but it was just yeah. like the evil rutherford running amok on the ship and secondly yeah we already knew from previous seasons that there was a weird uh those doctors talking about Rutherford as he's getting the implant. Don't we know that from like season two or maybe season one, maybe? Uh, so there was always that hint of a backstory. Now this is, uh, I feel like a little bit more. Anyway, I loved it. And I think I agree with you mm. that Rutherford is sort of like very goody two shoes, you know, and didn't really yeah. have much going on. But now we get to see this young, hip, badass, speed racing, illegal operations doing, you know, jive talking Rutherford. Uh, that, anyway, I liked. I really enjoyed it. The two Rutherfords yelling at each other. It made me wonder whether you have a past like that. I really. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to do illegal things like a ride between subway cars in high school. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm really <laughs> doing cool stuff. Uh, no, I'm more rebellious and interesting now than I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. I wonder, do you think that the, 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 the villain, our proposed villain, will be someone we know? 
I was thinking that. Obviously, you know, I immediately no. I'm not going to say Lorca. Lorca. I'm not going to say Lorca. I would love it, but it's not Lorca. Oh God! <laughs> what if it's Lorca? It's not Lorca. The thing that I think is interesting. <laughs> uh, I was like, it has to be someone we know, right? Because that's what makes it so. That's what's going to make it interesting. So who have they? Intriguing. Who have they dropped in? That's the person, you know. I wonder. Hmm. Oh. Oh, do we think it might be Bruce Maddox? Ooh, whoa. Mm. Yeah. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. Yeah, if I, I mean, we know these lower deck writers are, they like their deep cuts. All the Star Trek writers now, they mine the the franchise for cool stuff. So I, I expect it will be, it won't just be like Admiral Jacobson out of nowhere. You know, it'll be something interesting. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was interesting that they mentioned the butt bugs. And the conspiracy here yes. before we find out that there is an, uh, you know, this conspiracy. <sighs> because if it's the only thing is, though, if they in if they call back to a character, then does it become canon? Well, maybe the other I mean, the other thing is, like, there's so many admirals through the ages True. I didn't think Maddox no. was an admiral. That's but a good point. we don't know if it's an admiral. We just they just say he was a high level officer. It could have been, you know, yeah. Maddox. Yeah. It could have been Maddox. I, Maybe it wasn't that. High and up. I do feel anyway, like, like I'm sure um, he was disgracefully uh, discharged. Uh, 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 fuck. Like Pike. Pike was not an important character before Discovery made him Christopher Pike. He was like a one off. That whole story they made it into a whole mm-hmm. thing. So this could be another thing. Like if they find the right character, they can make something cool happen. No, hang on, take that back. Pike became a big character in the the new movies. Yes, but a different kind of Pike, though. Oh, alternative well, the, Pike? Well, the, the, oh boy, this is so nerdy. I feel like you are baiting me to be a super nerd. Yes, I am. Well, the Kelvin universe Pike is uh, more of a father figure to Kirk uh, in those movies, and this Pike is has less of that father figure thing going on. This, the original Pike is a mystery. And then in Discovery, they sort of reboot him as, yes, he was the captain of the Enterprise, but we didn't think he was a captain of note. Uh, but obviously he would have been if he was captain of the Enterprise. Anyway, Discovery created like a whole new backstory for this Pike that is independent of James T. Kirk. All right. Is right, what right. I'm saying. Uh, okay. And with that. I love, look what I did. I, I pushed you, you really into did, and I, I, was, I was trying to resist it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on teetering on the edge of Kapla today, and Stevie knows why. It's an off, off air issue with my phone. But I'm doing great, and which reminds me. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Set Phasers uh, News Hour. We go once again immediately to Stevie Mads at the Easter egg deck. Stevie, how you doing today? Well, hi there, doggy. How you doing? How you doing? Lovely to be here at the uh, Set Phasers Lower Decks desk. <laughs> We're going with desk today. Let's um, say desk. Desk rather than the set. Uh, which would be a bit weird, actually, because they're cartoons. Be anyway, um, lots of Easter eggs in this episode. Because even in the last one, I was like, oh, there weren't so many. And now they just packed them all in Boom. to this yeah. episode. Boom. Here we are. So obviously we have, um, let's just start at the beginning. So you may have noticed, I, I quite like the ones that are sort of, hidden in there and not like mm-hmm. called out in in the dialogue um but there were start when they were when uh, mariner and boimler were heading off to the 
Star Trek ex- exhibit or what do you whatever want to call it is, it? yeah. Whatever it is. Um, the Star Trek booth had Kirk and Spock standees. Did you notice where like they were the heads were cut out so you could stand in oh, and like, no, have I your photo that. taken? That's that good. was cute. I like that. Um and Spock, I think, had a horta. <laughs> so in that standee thing he had a horta from um the original series Devil and Dark. It mm-hmm. was like a deep cut if you were looking for it. That's heavy. Um yeah, and this of Tendi also asked Rutherford if his recurring dream was the one where you are in a new timeline with Kirk and Spock and they have cinematic chemistry. Boom. <laughs> Kelvin timeline. Beautiful. Kelvin timeline. Love that one. Um, obviously, we have the Delta Flyer. And the episode of that race in Voyager, if you are keen to know, was Drive. And, in fact, the crew even wore the same uniforms. Oh, I did notice things. the... Yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. put two and two together, but I noticed it. That's sweet. Yeah, little, little nice little touches mm-hmm. there. Um, obviously, Petra Aberdeen was a callback to Vash, mm-hmm. Captain Picard's love interest, and you know, independent archaeologist, nemesis in some senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, although she was British this time. By the way, it was played. She was played by Georgia King, and I wondered. Do you remember that? Um, the blonde captain who was a friend of Mariner's, I think, in season two, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Come on, Mariner, you could be captain." I thought it was the same actress. I. Oh. Didn't find that it was, but this. I have I don't to know. remember what episode I thought it was that the same was. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, the brain tapestry. So, eventually, it was revealed in the that the interloper was a suppressed memory of a younger version of Rutherford, as we spoke about. And Rutherford, <clears throat> excuse me, Rutherford notes, "Yep, we are now both stuck in a blank white void, which very much looked like the white void that Picard found himself in." Tapestry, the episode where uh, Q gave him a second chance at some of the choices he made as his younger self. Mm, yeah, I mean the mind void. I was like, this is the this is. I didn't remember that it was Q, but it was like this is the Picard. This is the middle ground mind void thing, which they did a lot in mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, DS Nine is certainly getting more callbacks in this season than it ever has. I think for Florida's, sure, but... Grand Nagus staff and everything. Yeah. Um, I didn't pull that out, but yes, Grand Naked Staff. Um, there was a, did you notice the subtle reference to the mind meld when young Rutherford gave himself a memory and touched his own Yes, yeah, so it was very cute. R2 to R1. Mm-hmm. It was very subtle, mm-hmm. very cute, like that. Um, there was another Spock-related moment earlier when Tendi was playing with a pod plant from Omicron Seti 3 um, and was fascinated with how it blasts out mind-control mm-hmm. pollen which is exactly what happened to Spock in the TOS episode, The Side of Paradise. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to have more to do, I, when we didn't know what that Rutherford was, that it would have something to do with the mind pollen, but whatever. It's just a weird just yeah. a weird Easter egg. When we go down to the planet, so there were lots of rival booths, and one was marked Truth, manned by some conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists, which was quite yes. fun. Um they also had some pointed questions for the Starfleeters, including, when are we going to hear about the truth about Cisco? Ooh, yeah. I mean... Referring to the fate of Benjamin mm-hmm. Cisco following the events of the Deep Space Nine finale. He's in the Celestial Temple. He's fine. He's fine. He's the uh-huh, emissary. That is, that is what yes. Mariner said, uh, Boimler said. Um, and then they were more on target when they asked about the parasites that crawled into Starfleet Admiral's butts <laughs> and took over their brain. <laughs> A fucking weird episode. That was season one. I feel right? like that was the end of season one. Yes, that was like yeah, the last was the like little one. mini arc, uh, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a horrendous episode. So like, I don't know why they were like on that episode alone. I would not have 
commissioned the second season. They were, but yeah, <laughs> so goofy. It's like, we gotta fly back to Earth and shoot these admirals with butt bugs. Like, literally, WTF. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a conspiracy board with string connections, including Shax, Amagato, an alien from Molmol's <clears throat> planet, the ones that worshipped Ajimus, mm-hmm. and Queen Paulana, Billop's mom. And finally, one of the truthers was an Arcturian from a background alien only seen in Star Trek The Motion Picture before Lower Decks. Ah. So, lots of stuff. Um, and there were also some Chula pieces on display, which Boimler was not very happy about, yelling at them to stop trapping people inside yes, of games. Yes. And their booth also featured a 3D chessboard, Katarian game devices from the TNG mm-hmm. The Game, and a, and a Klingon Batleth and Bechnuchs game from the Lower Deck episode, The Least very Interesting. Very good. <laughs> very good pronunciation. Thank you so much been practicing on Duolingo. Yes. Anyway, uh, but yes, did you catch any I caught several of those, but not some of the deeper cuts. I I knew the the game stuff, but I didn't know all the the depth stuff there. And I did not catch the Arcturian thing at all. I'm going to go back and find it. Love it. Well, anyway, okay, that is all from the uh, said Phaser's Lower Decks desk. That lower, see, that's hard to say. Lower decks desk. It sure is. Uh, Killer Romulan warrior nonsense. Back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Stevie. We're going directly to quotable moments. Quotable moments. Well, one of them you already mentioned. I really very much enjoyed the truther saying, how about the parasites? When parasites crawled into Starfleet Admiral's butts and took over their brains, want to come clean about that? And and Boyle said it was a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Mariner's like, no, actually, it happened. Um, uh, I have a couple more. Uh, I liked Mariner when she first gets down there and they open up the booth. Maybe this is why I missed the cutouts. Uh, she says, Starfleet, get your Starfleet. Prepare yourself for Warp 10 excitement. Discover the undiscovered <laughs> country. I thought that was great. <laughs> get your Starfleet. Oh, that was good. In fact, on that, uh, or during that moment, I think she and Boimler were whinging about going down, and um, Boimler says, what are you going to do? And she's like, what, complain the whole time and ruin the whole experience? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That tracks. Uh, and then uh, R2. Uh, I loved his uh, his cadence. He says, you tried to erase all the memories that made us cool, but it didn't work. The brain is more complicated than that, and I kept my cool ass stored away, so blow! Here I am, baby. <laughs> I really like So here Bam, I am, baby. Here I am, I kept baby. my cool ass stored away. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. That one really. Okay. Well. Wow, me too. Next. Uh, next I have time. No news, so I guess next time it is. Next time on set phasers next time on set phasers as of today i don't know the name of the episode but it will be episode six of season three of star trek lower decks as we come into now sort of the uh the landing pattern the landing pattern the landing maneuver we're coming towards the end of the we're coming on the downswing of the season it's called hear all trust nothing hear all trust nothing well 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 hear that and hear me say if you enjoyed listening to this episode 
Uh, you can catch all other episodes of Star of Star of our show. <laughs> you can catch a lot of Star Trek. Please do. But you can also hear Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. We have so many back episodes. We've covered Lower Decks. We've covered Picard. We've covered Star Trek Discovery, and we have covered the first season of Strange New Worlds. And we will cover Star Trek until there's no Star Trek left to cover. Yeah, we will. And if you want, and if you do, are you missing all the behind the scenes access? Well, head over to patreon.com forward slash phases for all your behind the scenes needs and more. I like this interrogative beginning of, uh, uh, and, and do you want to follow us on social media? We have <laughs> Instagram and Set Phases Podcast and also uh, Set Phases Podcast on Facebook. Well, until next time, I am Stevie Manns. And I am Coltar when he drowned in the swamp. And this has been <laughs> Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Oh. It's literally my favorite part of the show is when you do that. <laughs> I feel like every time Kayshawn is on, I'm like, well, I'll just use that. <laughs>